Amen. Good to see you all. You're looking good this morning. You're like, of course I am. You glad to be here? I I hope so, because I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad I'm here. All right? I'm just in a mood this morning, okay? That's what it is. I'm just in the mood. 2 Thessalonians chapter... Two this morning. We're going to get a running start into chapter three this morning as we finish out our series in Second Thessalonians this morning. We're going to be starting a new series next week, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to have to come back next week and find out. Couple things. First of all, today is the last day to sign up for a Net Bible. If you'd like a compact edition, reader's edition, or study edition, that is the translation that I use. Some of you have been wanting one of those. Uh, you can get those order forms out there on the information table, and then also. Uh, We need to have a baptism. We've got people that want to be baptized, and that's always a great thing. So if you'd like to be baptized, we have a place that we're going to be able to do the baptisms, and uh, we just want to know who wants to be baptized. So if you'd like to be baptized, please see me, email me at the email address there on the the church stationery. Just let us know, and we'll be able to meet with you, all of you then in a couple weeks, and and, uh, make that happen. Second Thessalonians, it, it's been a, a great study for me personally. I hope it's been as, as good for you. It, it's just reminded us about all the challenges that we face as Christians today and why we need to be strong. And Paul's writing this to a local church, a church in Thessalonica. In fact, in the very first verse, he says, to the Thessalonians uh, who are in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he reminds us that that it's, Everything that he said, he's obviously wanted to say individually to Christians, but he's also wanting to say corporately. And throughout this letter to the Thessalonians, one of the things that Paul has really continued to sort of uh, point out is how we need to be stronger. We need to be stronger because of just the afflictions we're going to face in life. We need to be stronger because we're living in a day and age where the power uh, of, of lawlessness is already at work. Uh, We need to be strong because there is a great defection that is happening within the the faith community of people sort of turning their backs on God and the church and the Bible and all of that. So all the more reason why we need to be strong. And so to start out today, I, I wanted to say this based upon everything we've already talked about, that we can't forget that he's not just speaking to individuals here. He's speaking to the church. The letter was to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father. He also then wants to say this. The local church should be the place or a place where you as a Christian are strengthened, where you're able to grow stronger. There's a lot of reasons today why Christians or people choose the churches that they do. But from my perspective, and I realize it's my perspective, but I think I could build a pretty strong case for it from the New Testament. In fact, I'll, I'll say this. And as I, many people wonder, Pastor Jeff, why don't you ever preach out of the Old Testament? Because I believe that we have such a deficiency in our Christian culture today about what the church should be, that we need to stay in the New Testament a little bit longer. Are we going to get to the Old Testament someday? Absolutely. I love the Old Testament. But the Old Testament is not written to the church. 
And we're fighting an uphill battle today because many Christians today don't think that the local church is that important, that it's that big of a deal. And so that's, I think, why God is leading us to continue to stay in the New Testament. But the local church that you attend should be a place where you as a Christian are being strengthened. To me, that should be the primary reason that I choose and I pray about being part of a church. Not about what programs they have. Not about the needs that I feel are being met in my own life. But bottom line, am I being strengthened? It's not about primarily relationship. Because being part of the church isn't primarily about us. It's about Him. It's His church. And part of what He wants to do in His church is strengthen His people. And that's what the whole letter of Thessalonians has been about. Growing stronger, the importance of growing stronger. And whatever church you are a part of, it should be a local body of believers where you feel like you're growing stronger, or at least where you have the opportunity to grow stronger and be strengthened as you are a part of that church. But notice something else then based on that in chapter 2, verse 13. Paul also says we should be thankful for one another. He says in chapter 2, verse 13, but we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters. This isn't the first time Paul said this. Go back to chapter 1 and look at verse 3. The very first thing after the introduction, what's he say to the Thessalonians? He says, we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters. This is important to Paul, and it should be important to us, because if we are part of a local church the way God wants us to be, then we should begin to see the value that other brothers and sisters play in our lives and the value that hopefully we play in each other's lives. And I just want to say, again, as I've said before, but I can never say it enough, how thankful I am to be the pastor of this particular body of believers. You are a unique group of people. And I mean that in the most positive way. I have been in the ministry for 29 years, so I think I have a little bit of a platform from which to speak. And I have never been part of a body of believers that has the quality of people that are here at the Oasis Church. And I am truly, truly thankful and blessed to be your pastor and to just be a part of this body. I'm so thankful for our staff, for Nicole, for Crystal, for Pastor Chad. I mean, folks, these are just unbelievable people that we have in our midst, gifts from God to us. Our elders, Tony and Scott and Dave, you couldn't ask for a finer group of elders in any church than these guys. All of our ministry directors here, just quality people. All of you, just amazing. And Paul says, man, we ought to thank God for each other. 
How often do you thank God for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you do it every day? Do you do it once a week? Once a month? Once a year? Do you do it several times a day? We should, as a local church, if we're truly doing the local church the way God designed it, not the way man has corrupted it, but the way God designed it in the New Testament, then we should be a body of believers that are being strengthened by each other, and we should continually be thankful for each other. Also notice this in verse 1 of chapter 3. We should be praying for one another. Paul even says, finally, brothers, pray for us. And then he goes on to give them specific requests about what he wants them to be praying for. And we know in verse 16 of chapter 2, the very previous verse, that Paul's been praying for them and he offers a prayer for them. Because again, that's what the local church should be. It's a place not only where we are strengthened and where we are thankful for each other, but where we are praying for one another. And how can we truly pray for one another if we're not really connected to each other? How can I really pray biblically for you if I don't even know you or anything about you? How can you pray for me if you don't really know me or know anything about me? See, it almost assumes, God assumes That the local church should be functioning in the way he designed it. And that's going to open up opportunities for us to know what's going on in each other's lives in a healthy way. We're going to get to that in a moment. But in a healthy way to where we can be praying for each other. So let me ask this question. Do you have brothers and sisters right now in the body that you are praying for? And obviously they don't have to just be part of the Oasis Church. They're just other Christians. And do you know, are there other Christians right now who are praying for you? You may say, well, but I don't really have anything going on. So, do you know that most of the time the prayers offered by Paul on behalf of other Christians was when everything was going good? Part of the problem we have as Christians is the only time we pray for each other is when they're going through a health crisis or when some other bad thing or negative thing is happening. We don't remember each other in prayer when when things are going well. And yet Paul says, pray for each other. And by the way, that to get technical a little bit, that verb to pray is in the present. In the Greek language, it should be a continual thing. Just like thankful for each other should be a continual thing. Praying for each other should be a continual thing. The local church should be a place where we are strengthened, where we are continually thankful for each other, continually praying for each other. It should also be a place where we honor the Lord's message. Notice what he says in chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, pray for us, brothers and sisters, that the Lord's message may spread quickly, literally run in the Greek language, and be honored as in fact it was among you. The word honored means to be magnified, elevated, greatly valued. God's word should be elevated, magnified, and greatly valued amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not going to go through every way that this can apply to our life. I'd like you to give it some thought. 
How does the word of God get magnified in my life? How do I elevate the Bible? How do I greatly value the Bible? Well, you know, obviously, hopefully reading it, studying it, meditating on it, memorizing it. How do we as a church magnify and elevate and greatly value the word of God, the Lord's message? Well, by making it a priority in our church. Instead of pushing it off to the side and marginalizing it like a lot of local churches do, we make the Bible and and the study of the Bible uh, pretty much the priority around here every time we meet. And that goes from adults all the way down to those children over there in Crystal's classes and all those children's ministries. Those children at a very early age are learning the Lord's message and how to elevate it and how to appreciate it and how to greatly value it. It's one of the reasons why throughout history that those who speak the Lord's message usually are on an elevated platform of some type. It's not in any way to elevate the speaker. It was a way throughout history to elevate the message that was being spoken. It was a way to say what God is saying to us is important and we should greatly value it. So we should honor God's message. We should continually pray for each other. We should continually be thankful for each other. The local church should be a place where we are being strengthened. But also see this now beginning in chapter 3, verse 6. That the local church should be a place where we are continually understanding the seriousness and gravity of what we are engaged in. Now, it's not, please, before I get into this, it's not that we as Christians can't have a good time and can't have fun. If you know anything about Jeff Royce at all, you know that, yeah, I sort of have what my wife calls my game face on on Sundays and Tuesdays. And I get that because what I feel like I do in teaching the word of God is something very serious and, and there's gravity there. There's weight there. But if you hung out with me most times outside of church, my family will tell you he's pretty crazy. Maybe not lampshade crazy, but crazy. I like to have a good time just like anyone else, but we've got to understand that what we are engaged in as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, as Christians, is serious business. The Christian life is not a playground. It is a battleground, my friends. That's why the Bible calls us soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And churches that, that want to, to make it all about entertaining people and want to make it shallow and not really focus on strengthening people have totally missed the boat. And that's why Paul says these words. Notice in verse 6 of chapter 3, but we command you. Even the word command should tell every Christian, well, this isn't just something to play around with here. God, through Paul, is commanding us of something. It's serious. He says, we command you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from any brother who lives an undisciplined life and not according to the tradition they receive from us. Notice verse 11. For we hear that some among you are living an undisciplined life. 
Not doing their own work, but meddling in the work of others. So notice what he says in verse 14. If anyone does not obey our message through this letter, take note of him and do not associate closely with him so that he may be ashamed. Whoa! When does that happen in the local church anymore? First of all, I'll get to that in a minute. I want to go back to this undisciplined word that Paul uses several times because that's really the key. Paul says we've got to realize as brothers and sisters in Christ as we relate to each other that we've got to be calling each other to reminding each other how serious it is. And when someone within our local church is living, and, and the word live is an important word. It means that's their habit. That's their lifestyle. Every once in a while, we're all going to live an undisciplined life. We're human. But Paul is saying, if you have a brother or sister in Christ, this is, this is the norm for them, then somebody needs to speak up and speak into their life. And here's why. Because we need to remind each other of the seriousness and gravity of what we're engaged in. It's not just something to trivialize and play around with. We're on the front lines of spiritual warfare. And to be undisciplined is not only a danger to the Christian who's living undisciplined, it puts every other Christian in danger as well. Because the word undisciplined, one meaning of this Greek word, means a soldier who's marching out of ranks. It was a military term. A soldier who's marching out of ranks. In other words, one who's not willing to march with the rest of the group, which also implies that the local church, from God's perspective, should be a place where as soldiers, we're all on the same page, we're willing to march together, we're willing to follow each other, and we're willing to do something in a coordinated effort. Instead of competing against each other, we're going to complement each other. Soldiers out of ranks. I'm so excited because I'm getting ready to share a Civil War illustration with you to illustrate this. If you know me, you know how much I enjoy Civil War history. So at the second day of the Battle of Gettysburg, a general by the name of Daniel Sickles was in charge of a real important part of the Union line on the second day. He decided on his own, not in coordination with any of the other generals, to pull his line forward and expose several hundred men underneath his command to more enemy fire by moving them forward into what in Gettysburg, if you ever go there, is called the wheat field and the peach orchard. When General Sickles marched out of ranks as a soldier in the Union Army. First of all, it cost him a leg. By moving his troops forward, he even put himself in danger. He got shot and had to have his leg amputated. By the way, just to share a sidelight with you of what kind of guy Sickles was, they put his leg on display at Walter Reed Medical Center. He would go back and visit it every month. Hey, look, there's my leg kind of guy he was and then he exposed all the men under his command to greater enemy fire too by marching out of ranks many 
a good young man died on the battlefield that day because of his decision to march out of ranks. In fact, 250 men specifically from Minnesota had to plug that hole in order for the Confederates not to burst through and actually win the Battle of Gettysburg, which would have taken our whole country in a whole different direction. See how important it is? We're not just part of a local church because of us. We've got to realize as part of a local church, just like being part of an army, we're part of something much bigger than ourselves. And the decisions that we make not only affects us, it affects everyone else around us. And we might not only be putting ourselves in harm's way, we may be putting other Christians in harm's way by living an undisciplined life. But another meaning of this word in the Greek language was used in the common marketplace of the day. And it meant people who didn't show up for work. And Paul is saying, Christian, you may think you don't have to show up for yourself, but you are obligated as a brother or sister in Christ to show up for others. And yet again today, we live in such a laissez-faire attitude towards the local church. It's like, yeah, I'll go when nothing else. My schedule doesn't conflict. And when everything seems to work out, and I'll go a week and then won't be there for a couple weeks. And then I'll come back for a week. And According to the Bible, First of all, you're missed. We're missing out as a body by you not being here. You're missing out because you're missing out on what we can maybe do to help and encourage you. And so Paul says, we got to take this serious. That's why there's so many Christians that are, in a sense, strewn on the battlefield. Because first of all, we're not taking getting stronger and being strengthened as a Christian serious enough and making it a priority. And second of all, we're not taking being part of a local church serious enough. We would be like a soldier in the army who doesn't take being part of his unit very seriously and he ends up putting or her putting themselves in harm's way and putting every other soldier around them in harm's way. Paul says, that's why we've got to take this seriously. But notice, even after Paul says all this in verse 15 of chapter 3, Paul tells the Christians in Thessalonica that if you ever have to get to this point, and it is pretty extreme, I agree, he says, yet do not regard him ever as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. See, what Paul is saying there is something the church needs to hear today. And that is God expects us to work through things together rather than to walk away from one another. You, you notice what was happening here, right? Something that I hate to say, based upon the condition of local churches today, probably hardly ever happens because the local church has gotten so warped from the original design God meant it to be. 
God is basically saying even to the person who's being admonished and who other Christians are keeping their distance from and not associating with, he's basically saying, I expect you to stay with your brothers and sisters in Christ because you need this and you need them and they need you. So work through it and make all of yourselves better and stronger instead of getting upset with each other and walking away and going to another church. How many Christians today would, in a sense, put up with that kind of behavior, even though it's love by other Christians, they'll just go, well, I'm going to leave that church and go to some other church. I'm not going to work through all this. And yet Paul says, but that's the way God designed the church to be. That there is going to be time where we have to and should admonish each other, but never regard each other as an enemy. Too many Christians today regard other Christians, especially in other local churches, as the enemy. Can I say one of the things I really appreciate about you all is that you all welcome other people from other churches into fellowships and Bible studies and things that you do, and you don't make a big deal about it. They don't have to check their church card when they come. Like, what church? Oh, you're, you go to that church? Well, then we, you know, because we're brothers and sisters, but we, you know, you go to that other church. No, we're not. Listen, folks, we're going to spend all of eternity with each other. We are never to consider any other Christian as the enemy. In fact, Paul even says, if you're wrestling with each other, you're not really wrestling with each other. You're wrestling with principalities, powers. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And if we start to turn each other on each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, that certainly isn't coming from God. That's coming from the pits of hell. And so Paul says, we need to learn to work through things together rather than walking away from each other or turning on one another. We need to be strong for one another. I think that's what Paul means in verse 13. This may be the key verse of the whole last chapter. Chapter 3, verse 13 of 2 Thessalonians. When Paul says, but you, in contrast... By the way, we're not going to take time to look at this today, but from verse 7 all the way down through verse 12, Paul basically gives a personal testimony of why he acted and the others acted the way they did in Thessalonica. By basically saying, you know, when we came there, we did work. And part of the reason why Paul is talking so much about work and even later on saying, if a person, if a Christian isn't willing to work, then they shouldn't eat. Well, that'll cut down on the welfare state, won't it? You know why the Bible says that? Because again, this is part of the importance of being part of a local church where you're learning the word of God and being strengthened. Because there were many in the church at Thessalonica that heard about the Lord's return. And they misinterpreted what God's intent was about teaching them about his return. So they just quit their jobs. They just went out. And they just said, well, the Lord's coming back, so we're just going to wait on the Lord. And other Christians in the church at Thessalonica, man, they were working not only for themselves, but they were trying to make up for the lack of work 
of other Christians who just decided to check out because the Lord's returning. And part of what Paul's doing then in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 is saying, guys, you missed the boat when God wants to reveal to you that he's coming back. That doesn't mean that should push you into idleness and inactivity. It should do just the opposite. God wants us to work for him until he comes. So get to work, Paul's basically saying. That was part of the undisciplined life that some of these Thessalonian believers were living. They decided not to work anymore and just sit out on a hillside and hum until Jesus came. But Paul says this to the others. But you, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing what is right. See, we've got to be strong, not only for ourselves. We've got to be strong for each other. Because when we stop being strong, our brothers and sisters are negatively affected. That's something the Lord's really hit me with lately. Because there's times in my life where I'm not as strong as I should be. And I know it's not just costing me, it's costing others around me. But here's something else Paul's saying in verse 13. Not only do we need to be strong for each other, we need to be strong in spite of one another. In other words, if other Christians are slacking, that doesn't mean we slack, even though that's the tendency. Because that's what the words growing weary means in verse 13. It means to become discouraged and give up, to lose motivation, or to slack off. And Paul's saying it's so easy as a Christian, even in Paul's day, much less today, to look around at how other Christians and I'm paraphrasing, could give a rip and not begin to think, why do I do so much? Why am I so faithful? Why do I minister like I do? Why do I pray my brains out and worship my head off? And why do I study the Bible so intently? No other Christian seems to be really engaged in putting their all into it. So why should I? And Paul says, we need to get strong to where we're not just strong for each other, we're strong in spite of one another. That we don't allow other Christians who are slacking off and not being faithful to affect us negatively in any way. Paul said, we got to keep going and keep doing what's right, even if every other Christian on the planet turns their life away from God and away from the Word and away from the church, that we'll hang tough. And I realize, and I hope you do too, that that's easy to say, but that's hard to practice every day when you look around at other Christians who just, they don't have any motivation spiritually. They're slacking. And it's very subtle how then that begins to affect us.
And finally, Paul ends this great chapter by reminding the Thessalonians that the Lord is going to be with them throughout everything that they need to deal with. And he's going to be with them to strengthen them and to help them and encourage them. Notice what he says in verses 16, 17, and 18. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand, which is how I write in every letter. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let's pray. God, we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us, Lord, to make our local church a place where we are strengthened and where we are strengthening each other. We should be thankful for each other. We should be praying for one another. We should be honoring the Lord's message. We should be growing stronger for each other and in spite of each other. And we should know through it all, you're with us. God, be with us as the Oasis Church. Help us, Lord, especially here, to realize that the people around us is not just any group of people. These are quality people that God has allowed us to do this with. I can say before you, God, that this staff and these elders and these ministry directors and this church is the best group of people I've ever had the privilege of working with and doing this with. God, if there are any there here today that are taking this opportunity for granted, and who they have around them for granted. Lord, speak to them today. And may all of us truly give of ourselves to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.